Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. Just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to educate, but to teach you. Put this in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Well, that was ugly. Market's in a bad mood. Dow falling 158 points. S&P seeking 1.21%. NASDAQ goes diving 2.45%. So bad that it refuses to applaud even fantastic earnings numbers. Facebook reported an amazing number last night. Its stock still got crushed. Uh, Amazon gave you a magnificent upside surprise. It got steamrolled. At least the market rallied from much lower levels. But it was hideous nonetheless. You and I know that. Now, there's two ways to look at what happened today. There's the right way, and then there's the wrong way. We don't look at the action and then work backwards to form an opinion about the quarter. That's the wrong way. The right way, when a company reports great numbers and its stock gets slammed, you look at the setup and you try to figure out why those numbers didn't seem to matter. Often it's because of an exogenous event, like, say, an impending election. Speaking of elections, why don't we talk about the game plan for next week? Now, I am expecting massive confusion. This is going to be a confusing week. Actually, one of the most confusing weeks of my career, I'm sure. Unless the results are a blowout on this day, we might not know who won for days. Plus, you got all those mailed ballots. I mean, Wall Street hates that kind of uncertainty. We know that. That's one of the reasons why there's been such heavy selling this week. Nobody wants to own stocks into a ball of confusion. So why not sell everything on Monday? Well, a bunch of reasons. For starters, you're too late. What the heck do you think was happening all this week? More importantly, you're probably not nimble enough to get back in after you've gotten out. And when you look at the high-quality stocks selling off right now, you, you definitely want to get bit back in. Think Amazon and Facebook, which reported unbelievably good numbers and still got crushed. If you're looking at stocks the wrong way, you might believe these companies actually disappointed. I heard a lot of people come up. They fomented. They ginned up reasons. These were good companies with good numbers. Those people just didn't have anything else to do with their time. The weakness today was all about the overall market, not what Facebook said or did. It it can take down anything when it's in a bad mood, including companies that sounded a little cautious about the future in the middle of a pandemic. There's no Xanax for a a market. You know, there's no Clonopin, okay? There's no Clozerol. There's no... Apple got hammered, too, even though CEO Tim Cook made it clear to me that iPhone 12 sales are looking pretty good in the current quarter. I mean, I know some some of you think that when a CEO tells you that sales look good, he's not to be trusted. Again, absolutely wrong. You're getting the perfect buying opportunity at Apple and Amazon and Facebook right now. Don't do it all at once. I recommend picking up some here, and then you wait till after the election to buy more. Oh, and memo to people who said I buried them in Apple. I got that. I must be an Apple undertaker. I've been burying people in Apple since the stock was at $5. It closed at 108 I'm sorry I buried you. More importantly, though, I don't think you're, we're actually clever enough 
to game this, okay? I suspect that the stock market will react best to a Trump victory, in part because Biden wants to roll back most of Trump's tax cuts. On the other hand, if we get an overwhelming win by Biden, I think stocks will give you a dip and then move up in anticipating of a gigantic stimulus package. The real risk, though, is that we'll spend next week stuck in purgatory, where it's too close to call and the whole thing ends up being fought in the courts. And by the way, let's hope it's only fought in the courts. Now, we don't know the outcome. So here's my advice. I think you buy a little on Monday uh, when the market no doubt revisits today's lows. You take a break on Election Day, and then you buy some more on Wednesday if Biden wins, especially if it's close and Trump doesn't concede. That's going to be an ugly day. Then you wait until the unemployment number on Friday to buy a third tranche of stock. Worst case, you buy some stocks on Monday, and there's no ball confusion, and well, you'll at least have gotten a third of your money into the stock market. So uh, what can you buy next week aside from Apple, Amazon, Facebook, all of which are on course for a, a big next quarter, even though they didn't explicitly, explicitly say it? Like anyone would say it in the era of COVID. Hey, guys, it looks great. Who knows? Now, from earlier this week, I think you can throw in Microsoft. They, they really had it. They probably had the best quarter of all. But it was caught in the tsunami of pre-election selling, and people just made up reasons why that company wasn't doing well when it's doing great. All right, so what are some other stocks where the companies are doing well, but people are going to make up lies about why their stocks went down? Well, we're going to hear some lies about Estee Lauder and from Clorox. Now, both these companies are thriving. The CEO of Estee Lauder, Fabrizio Freda, has built up a huge business in China. There have been more sales put on this stock, and it's just annihilated everybody who said short it. Because business is hot, hot, hot. Meanwhile, his skincare business, okay, his skincare business is terrific. Why? It's booming because of what masks do to your face. If you take away nothing else from the show, which you at least remember to moisturize. People may be stuck at home, but if you spend all day on Zoom, you still want your face to look good. As for Clorox, which you should not use on your face, it has a new CEO, Linda Rendell. Now, she's got a portfolio of products are tailor-made for the moment. All sorts of Clorox cleaning stuff. Hey, Kingston's for your outdoor eating. Have you ever noticed, hey, what's going to happen when it's cold when everybody over outside? It's like, oh, I'm a cheeseburger. I'm a cheeseburger. But that's going to happen. That, that's, that's kind of a... The stock's been drifting down, though, which is scaring people. And I say, well, you got to wait and see. You know, maybe at 200, maybe catch it at 200. If tech is really dead and the 5G thesis is wrong, we're going to find out what Skyworks Solutions reports on Monday night because they're the principal 5G company. I expect nothing less than a blow from this chip maker that's furiously trying to meet massive 5G demand, unlike what people said all day today. Now, you also want to watch out for PayPal, even after it got hammered today. The stock of PayPal has been a nasty habit of going lower when the company's humble CEO, Dan Schulman, makes some cautionary remarks. I think you should wait until Tuesday to buy this one if you want in. And you should, well, you should want in because PayPal is the best financial technology play around. Other than that, though, I wouldn't do any buying on Tuesday unless the market really gets hammered by indecision. Again, traders have pathological hatred of uncertainty, so just wait a day. Now, while we wait, we're going to be listening to you, Mana, in the morning. Lots of people will sell this one if Biden wins, betting that the Democrats will declare war on private insurance. I say that'd be an incredible buying opportunity as it is after every critical election where we fear that the Democrats are going to do that. I also want to be watching Emerson and Eaton, two big industrials, see what they have to say about their end markets. Now, on a normal election day, Tuesday night would mark the end of the uncertainty, but these are not normal times. There's a good chance we still won't know the winner, even Wednesday and maybe the rest of the week. But So you have to leave more room to buy when you get the dips from people who are fearful. Wednesday night, we hear from Qualcomm. That's another great 5G-oriented semiconductor company. I bet they knock it out of the park. My recommendation, how about this? 
Maybe you buy some Apple before Qualcomm starts squawking because Apple's one of the largest customers, even if they're not allowed to mention Apple by name. That's the rule. Remember, it's like Fight Club. Buyers will infer it, and all these people who traded Apple and didn't own it, they're going to sneak back in, hoping I don't notice. Thursday night, T-Mobile reports, I expect fantastic numbers. Might be a good place to go if the election still hasn't been sorted out. Same goes for Roku, the cord-cutting kingpin that's adored by young people because it makes it so that you can't see guys like me. Well, you can record me. Right, you can. Okay, good. I think the video game industry is headed for a strong holiday season. Oh, boy, but these stocks are strecking for both. Now, you might want to take, pick up some of what my ActionAlertsPlus.com club I've been saying and bought today, Take-Two Interactive. You know that they've got, they've got Grand Theft Auto, which is the greatest entertainment series in history. It, it, it's my favorite way to play it. Unless you thought that COVID's going to get solved next week, I, I, I don't think it's going to. I know it's on schedule to be solved. I remember I heard that. Maybe buy some Thursday and then buy more Friday if the stock pulls back on imperfect numbers. Finally, on Friday, we get the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report, and I fear it might not be that good. If that's the case, then whoever wins the election should call for a gigantic stimulus package, which could unleash a massive rally, which is why I keep trying to tell you, don't listen to all the people who say, get out now. They haven't been around long enough to know how wrong that can be, the bottom line. I know we all want this election to be over. So steal yourself for a messy, confusing outcome, leading to some messy, confusing action in the stock market, where, therefore, opportunities will abound. Let's go to Steve in New Jersey. Steve. Hello, Jim. Thank you for all your help. Quite welcome. Uh, yeah, I'm a relatively new investor. I've always been doing individual stocks uh, since past March. Uh, my question is about Supermicrocomputer, SMCI. Right. No, man, you know, I, I got to tell you, look, okay company, but... We got companies like AMD and NVIDIA. You got to step up to the plate and buy the real good ones. Uh, I would buy one fractional share of NVIDIA. Okay, we had uh, we had the Antinoto one the other day. We're on SoFi. They got fractional shares. Buy a fractional share of NVIDIA. That's the way to go. Hey, why don't we go to Gerard in Illinois? Gerard. Yeah, hey, how you doing there, uh, Jim Kramer? Uh, man, I, I've been watching your show for over 20 years, and... Uh, uh, Amaron was featured one day. Do uh, you think it's possible we could get the CEO on the line uh, one yes. of these days? Uh, to, Absolutely, you know, because we got to find out what the heck happened to that bad boy. Wow. They really just crushed the heck out of that thing. Look, a little disappointment goes pretty far. We're going to get him back on. Why not? Find out what the what someone pulled the rug out of Amarin. I remember that kind of failed trial there. We'll be back on that. Oh, let's go to Roger in Michigan. Roger. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Booyah! Booyah! Hey, first off, i got to let you know, first-time caller. I just started investing here in March. I want to thank you and all that great staff over there for all your sage advice, all your knowledge of dropping, for all of us Americans here just trying to make some money. Thanks a lot. This is fabulous. It's why we come to work every day. We uh, have each other's back. It's pretty amazing. Let's make some money together. Well, you know what? i got a serious question to ask real quick. Okay. Can we get a little consistency from Carson Wentz, please? I'll draft a starting quarterback. Oh, no, no, I checked, I was there, I, I checked with him. I checked with the franchise, the Eagles franchise, three times this, uh, this week. And it's Wentz's night. And Sunday night is Wentz. I'm, I'm more involved with that than I am with this. Wednesday night well, is, you know is, is no, no, Sunday night's his night. That. You don't have to worry about Wentz. He's going to roll right over Dallas. So let's make some money together while uh, Jerry Jones uh, fights among himself. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk to you about a stock. It's actually a stock. It's a favorite of my three daughters. 
They love it. I buy so much of the product, but you know what? I never use it. I want to talk to you about Alta. It's taken a dip, uh, taken a good hit this week. It's gotten a little bit of a bump today, but listen I'm just to me. To see listen what you to me. Listen to me, Roger. I go home like every night and I take out my Ulta cleaning products to get rid of the ring of fire I have because of the mask. Okay, and clean every day and put on my Ulta is so Mary Dillon is so good. That is a brick and mortar place that has reinvented the web. I want I say you own that stock. Their products are fabulous. Their website is great. I'm not kidding, by the way. I have to worry about my skin. It's horrible. I've not had this much acne since I was 13. All right, look, the market's the market's in a bad mood, and I don't think it's over yet. I mean, you need to brace yourself for some messy, confusing action, but that's where opportunity abounds. Man, money tonight. Oil's on track for its second straight monthly drop, and crude prices down 11% just this week. So I'm talking to one of the top minds in the space to find out what's ahead for natural gas. Then Brunson Corporation just announced a truly magnificent quarter, but the stock barely budged. What's that about? Get to the bottom for the CEO at 5.9, has nearly tripled from its March lows, and we behind it the whole way. After its picture-perfect quarter, can the stock keep climbing? Why don't we talk with the top press? Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Graham Bunn. So excited to introduce you to Country Shine, where we're talking all things country music. That's right. And I'm Cameron Irwin, co-host and resident country girl at Tinseltown, here to welcome you to the family. Every Tuesday, we'll update you on the latest in country music, culture, and community. And on Fridays, I'll bring on country musicians and all the biggest names in the game. It's a gathering, and we want you here. You can listen to Country Shine with me, Graham Bunn, for free right here on Spotify. All right, sometimes there's visionaries you don't want to mess with them. It's been a very tough year for the battered oil and gas industry. Oil got crushed today. Even before the pandemic, we started getting the sense that corporate America suddenly cared about fighting climate change. Then we entered the corona economy, and demand fell off a cliff. For years, the industry's been weighed down by excess supply. Every time prices rise, some producers turn the spigot back on, prices come back down. But now, I think we're finally starting to see bankruptcies, more importantly, mergers like Pioneer buying Parsley. Uh, we're hearing chatter that this could kick off a wave of consolidation. On the other hand, COVID cases are exploding again. Europe is going back into lockdown, and you have to expect some partial shutdowns here. It's not great for energy demand. At uncertain times like these, what do we need to do? We've got to go to smart people. We've got to go to experts. We've got to veteran operators who understand the industry. We've got to Sharif Suki the liquefied natural gas pioneer who's currently executive chairman of Tellurian, to see if he can shed some light on the subject. Mr. Suki, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. How are you? Well, you know what? I'm in touch with you, so I'm good. Uh, Not that long ago when I was bashing natural gas, you sent me a little email saying that I'm going to be wrong and it's going to go higher. Uh, I immediately shot back. I don't think so. It has done nothing but go up since you sent me that email. Where can natural gas go and why? Well, to start with, Jim, we're drilling only with 75 rigs in the United States. Actually, as of today, it's down to 72. And in order to keep production flat in the U.S., we need uh, 200 rigs to be operating. So 
we're losing about a BCF a day of production every month. We started the year at 95 BCF a day. We're now down to 88. And at the same time, on the demand side, demand has been remarkably stable in spite of COVID, with the exception that we're now exporting more LNG than we did last year. So we have a net delta of about 10 BCF a day every day. Uh, we started this week to withdraw from storage about two weeks earlier than normal. This is going to continue to accelerate through the winter. And what it's going to take is higher prices to do one of two things, either increase production or destroy demand. So increasing production takes time. We're not going to go from 75 rigs to 200 overnight. It's going to take at least a year and a half or two years to get there. So we're going to have and we're going to be in serious deficit this winter. We will have to destroy demand. We can do that one of two ways. We can switch back to coal, right. which would which we're not going to do. Worse than, which would worse. Well, you don't know because all the utilities have a ton of inventory of coal inventory sitting there, okay. and the prices are justifying starting to switch back. It'll happen in the summer because right now power generation is not very important. But if we don't do something about it, then we will switch back to coal. But Shri, and I mean, you're describing, I mean, how about the Marcellus? Uh, we're producing a huge amount there. How about Canadian natural gas? How about China not using our natural gas? Does Korea really need our natural gas? What, this is an alternative universe from what I thought was supposed to happen. Okay, first, uh, the Marcellus has plenty of gas, but the prices on the Marcellus are very low because we don't have enough pipeline to take the gas to market. So the Marcellus is restricted by the infrastructure. The Haynesville is very attractive right now and is increasing modestly, but not much. And if you look at all the gas players today, they are hedged for the next 12 months because of their financial situations. Therefore, uh, higher prices is not going to benefit them immediately. But the Jesus at Exxon were taking a right, talking about taking a right down of 25, 30 billion, mostly related to XTO. I mean, are they on the other side? You know, they bought that when natural gas was at nine bucks. So maybe now that they're writing it off, maybe they're kind of wrong on both ways. Well, at this point, I think they have to do what they have to do is survive for the next year or so. But prices will bail them out as always. So first, we're going to have a, re- a reaction in gas prices. And that will happen this winter. We've already started to see Why this. are you the only person who's talking like this? Because they're well, well, you're the only person more. who ever I thought we'd think... export liquefied natural gas. So, well, Jim, you know me. Uh, I look at the numbers and I try not to get emotional about it. So oh. for me, if we need, uh, we were producing 95 BCF a day. We're quickly on our way to 85. So we lost 10 BCF of production. We need to get it back. Well, but and maybe time, we shouldn't. Is it going to be? Should we not be exporting as much as we are? Okay, so th- this is a very hard thing to do because now we are dictating prices around the world. The market is completely connected now. The U.S. is twenty percent of the LNG market. So the rest of the world, if we want to do business with China and India and Asia and Europe in the future, uh, we have to be reliable trading partners. And if we don't sell them our natural gas, we're not going to be reliable trading partners. So you've seen in the last few weeks, couple of months, 
JKM prices in Asia and TTF prices in Europe go up when Hamilton was going up. Wow. The world is getting correlated, and we're dictating the pace. What happens if if uh, if Biden wins for president and not that good, doesn't really support fracking the way that say the current president does? I don't think it'll make a difference because reality is reality. I mean, I think slogans during uh, during election day. Uh, Campaigns are one thing, but at the end of the day, um, you have to deal with reality. Um, we are going to do business with China. We are going to do business with India. In India, uh, LNG demand is up 20% here today. In China, it's up 8% here today. Even in Europe, it's up 9% year today. So you so were the right, and they were wrong. The Everyone who told me that these contracts would be canceled and nobody needs the natural gas, they were all wrong, aren't they? Well, first, I wrote most of the contracts. They cannot be canceled. Right. So the second thing is the business model that we created at Chenier a few years ago is no longer valid. It is now a true commodity. And being dependent on a price index as volatile as Henry Hub is not practical. Okay. You cannot, at the buyer of LNG on a global basis, be reliant on an index that can be as low as $2 and as high as 5 or right. 6 as we're going to see this winter. You have to come up with a different business model. All right, well, look, we got to wrap, wrap things up, but I will. You're going to come on and explain how we should do it, okay? Because you were dead right. I can't believe how right you've been. You're, well, you tell the truth and you don't, you're not owned by anybody. Maybe that's what makes the difference. That's Sharif Suki, executive chairman of Tellurian. And by the way, Right on natural gas and right on oil since we started the darn show. Bad money's back into the break. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Binge on 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, and everything from hit movies to the latest news, comedy, live sports, and more. Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Yesterday morning, Brunswick Corporation, the king of the boating space, think Boston Whale or Mercury Engines, reported a truly magnificent quarter. The company's been making a fortune because if you want to take a vacation in the age of COVID, well, you've got to stick to the great outdoors. Yet Brunswick stocked it next to nothing. This isn't one of those cases where the numbers were great, but there was a little hair on the quarter. No. The company delivered a gigantic top and bottom line beat. It was a blowout. Management reinstated its full-year guidance with a much higher than expected earnings forecast. And they also gave you a terrific full-year forecast for 2021. It didn't really matter. After Brunswick stock had rallied about 2% on Wednesday, heading to the report, well, came back most of that yesterday. And after we got these great numbers, well, it didn't seem to matter. In part, that's because, well, maybe we're heading into a seasonally weaker period for the boating business. But, man, with COVID cases exploding again, this stock's looking very enticing here. Don't take it from me, though. Let's dig deeper with David Folks, the CEO of Brunswick Corporation. Learn more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Folks, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Great to be on again. Okay, so David, when I see the new boaters, the new cohorts, when I see women, mm -hmm. when I see Hispanics, when I see people who are really up Asians wanting to buy boats, I'm thinking that, that the number of people who want to buy boats versus the number of boats there are to buy it, it is out of whack. And the only way to make that up is for Brunswick to make a lot of money. 
<laughs> I think that's tr that's true, Jim. Certainly, the uh, interest in boating, both from uh, current boaters and from new boaters, has been huge, as you know, through uh, Q2 and now into the third quarter and even uh, beyond. But we did not have enough uh, pipeline inventory to to serve that. So the pipeline inventory is down a lot. It, it's about half of where it should be typically at this time of year, which means that we are ramping up as fast as we can in all of our production facilities, hiring people uh, to build as many boats as possible, not only to satisfy retail, which is continuing to be strong, even into the traditional off season, but also to try to begin to backfill those pipelines. Even if we produce at max uh, capacity, though, Jim, uh, probably our pipelines will be down at maybe two-thirds of where they should be by the end of the year, possibly even less. Yeah, but you know, I, you know, I listened to our president and him like him. I thought that I would have gotten the vaccine by now and, you know, be out, be keeping my bar open, serving behind the bar. Well, it turns out I should close the bar. Why? Because we haven't really beaten it yet, from what I can tell from the statistics. I, you know, uh, blind, blind squirrel finds nut there. But I know one thing. There's a fellow by the name of Dr. Gottlieb. He comes on like somebody comes on at like six o'clock, which is late afternoon for me. And he says that we're not done this thing. You know, maybe it's going to be second half of 2021. And so I'm thinking I'm lucky. I've got my Boston Whaler. When people realize this thing's going to be second half of 2021 and they go to buy a boat, what will happen? Well, you know, it's interesting because even though uh, our production slots for all of our brands are, are filled through the first half of the year and, and our production slots for many of our premium brands are filled even beyond that, but people are still ordering boats. Right. Actually, it was the first couple of days of the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show uh, uh, yesterday and today. Uh, the show is smaller than normal for obvious reasons, right. and we had a, a smaller presence. But we're still selling more boats at retail at the show this year than we did last year, even with the quoted longer deliveries. So people just want to get a boat, and uh, if necessary, they're prepared to wait for it. Often if you're buying a you know, Sea Ray or a Boston Whaler, you already have a boat and you're upgrading. And so you know, people may not be spending time off the water. They, they may just uh, wait longer to get a boat. But... The, the lack of inventory, uh, which we're obviously working to correct as, as quickly as we can, is not deterring retail at all. And even in this uh, tail end of the, the market, in the, no, in the northern markets, tail end of the retail market, we're still seeing tremendous demand. Now, uh, there used to be a joke about when you buy a boat, it's, uh, it, it's your nightmare in terms of money. Now, look, I'm fortunate enough and lucky enough that I, ha I have means, but I have a lot of friends with boats, and they don't talk about that anymore. When you have a vacation and you can't go anywhere, if you go to Italy, say, for with, with in the old days, and you bought your tickets, you went out, whatever, it's a down payment for a boat. You've got the boat. You don't get to take the trip home with you. Are people changing their mental psyche about what owning a, bite, a boat means in terms of its cost? Um, I think... Uh you know, some contributors there, Jim. Obviously, we have ways to boat that don't involve buying a boat now. Freedom Boat Club is our big offering there. But boating overall, boats are becoming more reliable. If you think about our propulsion systems, for example, our Mercury propulsion systems, the quality levels are equal to anything in the industry. You look across automotive or, or consumer electronics, quality levels are tremendous. Our portfolio has changed a lot, Jim, though, as you know. Th think about the fact that 80% of the boats we sell now cost less than $50,000. Right. 
almost 95% cost less than $100,000. So we are not in the business that we used to be in 15 years ago of selling these big yachts. We're selling boats for the, to the middle class. They, they, they've got great technology, but overall the cost is lower. Cost of maintenance is much lower. We put a lot of effort into making sure people can self-maintain. The product quality is higher. So we're working very hard to bring both the purchase cost and the maintenance cost of boats down. When did women decide that uh, and my wife is the one who boats for us? My wife says, all, we take a look. We actually are part of a larger group, and the men don't boat, don't drive. The women do. When did, when did this happen? Well, it's been happening a lot more. You know, I think boats... Uh, are most often a family asset, really. It's not like buying a, you know, a motorcycle or something. So the person who registers the boat is one thing. They fill out the form to register it, but it's really a family asset. And I think all along, uh, women have had a huge influence over the purchase decision, the content of the boat, the option content, uh, and the use of the boat. So you know, I think for a long time, uh, men and women have been pretty much equal partners in the boating experience and the, and the choosing experience, if you like, the selection. Uh, it's just that uh, men have historically registered the boat. Okay, so last question. But David, certainly those um, percentages are changing. Okay, last question. Uh, how much does the, uh, the stock market matter? Uh, to boats? Yeah. Um, it, it's not a huge factor. Um, we looked recently at our kind of demographics of our, um, of our buyers, um, and we were looking at the Biden tax proposal out of, you know, interest. Right. So that is a $400,000 uh, annual family income threshold. Less than 10% of our customers fall into that category. So we are really selling a lot of boats, mainly to the middle class right now. And so the stock market does not matter nearly as much as it might have done, you know, 20 years ago. Wow. All right, well, look, David, you keep coming on. The stock keeps going on. You have to fight these people who just say, listen, I remember when things collapsed. It, it, no, they should be remembering them when that illness didn't go away, unfortunately. David Folks, Brunswick uh, Corporation CEO. Great to talk to you, sir. And to you, Jim. Thank okay. you very much for Thank having you. me. This is very inexpensive stock, people, because no one believes that it can continue. Uh, you know, Like it or not, it's continuing. They have money's back in for the break. your stock to roar this earnings season. Oh boy, you need to report a picture-perfect quarter, a clean-up side surprise with bullish guidance and nothing to quibble about. In other words, you need to do what Kramer Fabe 5.9 did last night. This is a cloud-based software company that serves contact centers. Their platforms help these call centers rapidly transition to a work-from-home model virtually overnight. I started recommending 5.9 early last year as a cloud play without San Francisco. Remember those days? But COVID-19 has really added fuel to the fire because so much more business is being done over the phone. And few of these people are working out of an office building. Sure enough, when 5.9 reported last night, they knocked it out of the park with big top line beat, accelerating revenue growth. And they earned 27 cents a share when the analysts were only looking for 18 even better, management gave you bullish guidance for the next quarter, also raised their full-year forecast. It was a nice, clean, upside surprise, which is why 5.9 could rally more than $8 or 6% on one of the worst days of the year. So now that the stock's nearly tripled from its March lows, can this keep climbing? Let's talk. Why don't we check in with Rowan Trollope? He's the bankable CEO of 5.9 to get a better sense of the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Trollope, congratulations. Welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me on again. Okay, so Rowan, uh, your revenue growth has been steadily grinding higher, right, each quarter and quarter. But then suddenly you have taken a a very big leap. This is accelerating revenue growth to an incredible 33.9. 
How the heck did you do that in this environment? Well, we have an incredible team here at Five9 uh, who are an execution machine. And behind them is a market, frankly, Jim, that's got two drivers. You've got a digital transformation, which is absolutely on fire. And then you've got the cloud transition, which has been going on for a long time. Both of those things have been turbocharged by COVID, frankly. And we felt that in our business. The team, however, from an execution, execution perspective, uh, just put together a lot, a lot of wins this quarter. Uh, you know, frankly, this quarter was baked a long time ago for us. You know, we, um, we, we run an you know, uh, annual recurring revenue business. And so uh, these deals were booked in many cases, you know, months and months before the quarter. So a lot of the initiatives that the team had been working on around international expansion was a big one. Right. Uh, our channel partners, like we talked about last time with AT&T, uh, they're just the business has been hitting on all cylinders uh, for the last few quarters. OK, tell me about this inference acquisition, which to me, we, you know, we had live personal or, or on earlier this week. This inference sounds like it does some pretty amazing things in terms of actually uh, not an imitating a person, but maybe being better than a person. Yeah, you know, we're really excited about inference. So, you know, just for your audience, if you call up most contact centers today or just about any company, you're going to end up in that somewhat dreaded. We call it an IVR. It's the push one for sales, push two. And, right. you know, you get through that. Three, I hate you just that. Sitting, we all hate I it. I deserve you better. Want to you deserve better. Everybody deserves better. And, you know, we all want to just skip through that. This technology is a total revolution on that front. It's a conversational experience. Oh. So it's a, it, you get to speak to something that, uh, you know, responds to English language, recognize it as 100%. Now, these technologies have been, I tried for a long time and it's never been gotten right until deep learning and the right. sort of revolution we've had with AI over the last several years. So now they are really, really good and very, very accurate. And they're available for companies of all sizes. Oh, so let me, I'm stopping you right case. now. Does, does any, do any of these inference things start with, uh, if you know your party's extension, hit it now? No. Because that is no, the, the, the I whole, mean, who the heck knows anyone's yeah. extension? Exactly. The whole idea is just talk to me in English and, and you know, speak to me in whatever language you want, frankly, uh, and just tell us what why you're calling. And you know, I'm calling. I want to find out where my order is. Oh, no problem, sir. I'll look that up here. I can see your order number here. It looks like it's going to show up. They're tomorrow. Polite? And so you can have a total self-service interaction. So there's two benefits here. One is to us, the consumers who get a way better experience leveraging this really modern technology. We get an answer quickly. We don't have to wait and talk to a limited resource, a human being. We can get an answer quickly. And the other big benefit is to businesses because businesses are struggling under the load of COVID, as you know. Right. We saw since COVID hit, minutes have just absolutely been driving off the chart. And if you've called any vendor recently, you will have found that the wait times are off the charts because they can't handle the uh, hiring fast right. enough of people. So this technology drives very material cost savings for businesses and makes for a much better customer experience. Now, judging from uh, what you're talking about, when it says uh, the agent is of twice the average revenue per user, you're, you're good gross margins on these non-people people. Very, very good gross margins. Uh, the, the technology is it's typical SaaS margins on this technology. And, right. and as you said, this this over the fullness of time could have the effect of roughly doubling the TAM of our company. What that ultimately adds up to uh, is, you know, that we're just at the very beginning of a transformation of a very, very large market. So I see, you know, years of growth in front of us. See, Rowan, what's happening a day like today, I get te texted, tweeted, whatever. People say it's over, it's over, it's over. 
When I listen to what you're saying, uh, how could it be a transformation that takes us out of the dark ages be over in month three? Yeah, I don't buy it. It's not over for us. Well, and if I find a company that uses you and does that inference, let's say a drugstore chain, I'm not going to go to the other drugstore chain, right? I mean, it's pretty cut and dry. Exactly. It's very simple. We've, we've seen a very strong preference in surveys amongst customers and particularly millennials who want self-service. They want a fast answer. They want to get, you know, they want to get through it like that. And whether that interaction is going to be on text first, which is pretty much the de facto standard now, you want to be able to first use that text channel. And only if you need to sort of speak to someone, do you want to use the phone? Inference supports both of those modes. So the automation technology is independent of whatever channel you want. And customers today are coming to us saying, look, we really want digital first engagements for our customers. And, and they are a huge driver of loyalty. If you engage with a brand today and they don't have a great experience when you need to reach out to them, well, you're going to sh- switch brands. And, and that's how it goes. So it's a requirement for companies to fix this. And it's a, it's a $24 billion category today that is barely penetrated with modern technology. I'm urging our viewers to listen to what Rowan just said. Do you think it ended today or because of the election? Did it end because of COVID? No, it's beginning because of COVID, and the election has nothing to do with it. Rowan Trollope, CEO of Five Nine, thank you for being with us again and again and again, sir. Great to see you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. See, we went out west all these times to look for companies like this. You can't just sit here. I mean, right now I'm sitting here. I hate it, but I love that story. Man, money's back in. It is time! It is time for the Lightning Round Quiz! What's about Rockful Souls? And then the Lightning Round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy! Time for the Lightning Round Quiz! Why don't we start with Bob in New Jersey? Bob! Hey. Hi, Jim. Greetings from your home state. Uh, question here, Jim, on an obscure cloud stock. A good quarter. The name of it is Unisys. What do you think about Unisys? You know, the Unisys is from Bluebell, where I actually went to camp. Bluebell camp. Uh, it's where Merle Reese lives, too, by the way, the voice of the Eagles. Uh, look, it's trying to make a comeback, but you know what? I am a best-of-breed guy. You're never going to get me in one of those guys. I am strictly in the fang stocks. That's where I'm going to be, and everyone thinks they're dead. That's always the case. I like them more than Unisys. Jerry in New Jersey. Jerry. Hi, Jim. This is Jerry from the Jersey Shore, the beautiful Jersey Shore. Some years ago, I invested in a small company called Smart Balance. I was on your show. You said I had good horse sense and we made some money. Now I'm asking you about a small home builder, LGIH. They make a ton of money. You know what? You still got horse sense. I like that because it's down, interest rates are low. If you have a new president, those stocks are going to come right back. So I think that's a good idea. I need to go to Dave in Connecticut right now. Dave. Jimmy Chill. Yo, yo. Get out of you from Hartford, Connecticut. I like these gaming stocks, and I really like Penn National, acquisition of Barstool Sports and the potential of the Barstool Sports book. But it is getting clobbered right now, Jimmy Chill. So do I run to the hills or keep buying the tip? Well, Dave, I, I heard Jay Snowden speak. To, look, Jay's the best. But yeah, but you, you, look, we're having another wave of COVID, and he's got these physical casinos, and that's not so good for business. So I think you got to let the stock come down. I mean, they did that secondary. Now you're through that price. It's okay. It's a wonderful company. 
But this COVID thing is just all over the place when it comes to going to a casino. And it's very hard to maintain a casino with another wave of this horrible scourge. Can I go to Kabir in Maryland? Kabir! Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question for you is CACI International. I like information technology tech. I've always felt that company's going to get a takeover bid if it stays here forever. I think that's a good buy. Remember, the Democrats spend just as much on the military as the Republicans, and it's been going down because people feel the Democrats are going to win the White House. Let's go to Dabney in Tennessee. Dabney! Kudos, Kramer. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah! What's going on with Cisco Systems these well, it yields 4%, uh, but the it's an Internet of Things play, but really for next year, not this year. Uh, it, and right now, and people are more caught up in, in owning an NVIDIA or an AMD or, or you know, Marvell Tech, which is, you, which is making an acquisition. I mean, they feel like that Cisco uh, is really next year's story. And uh, the 4% yield isn't enough to keep it in. That's really what's going on, because it's only 11 times earnings. They did miss, remember, they did have a down a, a quarter that people didn't like last time. So that's what's happening. Can we go to Mix, Mix Man in Illinois? Mix Man! Hey, Mr. Kramer. Yo. Ooh, yeah, backwards, which seemed appropriate given the market action this week. A man, I'm a, a planet, first time, long time. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I'm a first-time long time. I started reading your Street.com articles during the Internet bubble and want to thank you for the wealth of knowledge and insight you've given all us. Oh, thank gamers you, man. You've been around. Yeah, that was a Street.com. I started that thing 26 years ago. That took about 26 it, it years of my life just out the door. That's all right. No, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It's fantastic. Go ahead. Let's, let's work together. My, my company reported better than expected earnings, initiated earnings guidance above consensus, and had a 10% increase in their order backlog, but the stock price barely moved. Jim, what's your view on FLIR? You know, that is a, just an absolutely fantastic security play. And we're going to have management one because I don't understand why that stock could be this cheap. That seems mistaken to me. That's a very good company. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Looks like big tech is the new big pharma. Many it's the industry politicians love to hate, especially if they can take cheap shots right before an election. The other day, a bunch of senators hauled in some Silicon Valley CEOs, you know, big shots, and they crucified them. Doing something about, I don't know, it was time. What was it doing? It was, it was voting? It was a censorship? I, I mean, honestly, it's hard to keep track with their after. Uh, they handled their time on the cross well, especially Mark Zuckerberg, who actually seemed like someone who's trying to do the right thing, even if he needs help from the government to make it happen. Senate Republicans think that these companies are biased against them, so they want to take the CEOs to task. But hating on big tech has become a bipartisan pastime. It's probably the only thing they really agree on anymore. People on both sides of the aisle believe these companies are too powerful. So they want to strip away some protections, like Section 230, the Communications Decency Act. In plain English, Section 230 means social media sites can't be held liable for stuff that their users post. And it gives them free reign to moderate the platform but pretty much any way they want to. Even though they're not on the hook for this stuff, Facebook still spends tens of millions of dollars trying to stop really odious commentary. Hardcore racism, Holocaust denial, slander from inane trolls. But Zuckerberg doesn't want to be making these calls himself. He asked Congress for help by defining what's off limits. Unfortunately, I think it's like the great, uh, the, the great late Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart 
and his definition of obscenity. I know it when I see it. Honestly, though, now that we've seen the earnings from most of these big Internet outfits, I wish politicians would think twice before pulling these stunts. Here's how I see it. In a country with 8% unemployment, these tech titans are all hiring, not firing. They're the crown jewels in the American economy. And in many ways, they're our ambassadors to the world. Take Amazon. Last night, Amazon reported a phenomenal quarter, but the stock got crushed today, down more than 5%. You know why? Expenses. Wall Street's punishing Amazon because the company's hiring hundreds of thousands of people and spending billions of dollars to help us cope with COVID-19. The average company, the S&P 500, is still firing people, doing a lot less to fight the pandemic than Amazon, Facebook. Listen, if you want to start a small business right now, you actually need Facebook and Instagram shops. They'll help you. It's actually the biggest bargain for when you're trying to get your name around. At this point, Facebook's doing more to help entrepreneurs. They are the real ambassadors for Facebook than the whole small business administration. It's not our tax dollars that are doing it. How about Alphabet, parent of Google? Sure, they've beaten Microsoft at search, but more importantly, they own YouTube, which is a huge job creator. They've created a space for production companies to hire hundreds of thousands of people. Finally, there's Apple. Think about the App Store. This is a platform that's created literally millions of jobs for software developers and content creators. You've got these incredible engines of job creation. So maybe our elected leaders should prioritize not screwing that up. And look, it's not just about jobs. Like it or not, these big tech companies are America's cultural ambassadors to the world. Now, that used to be Coca-Cola and McDonald's. Now it's Facebook and Google and Apple. You want free speech? Other than Apple, these companies aren't even allowed to operate in China because they're too committed to free speech. Now, I'm not saying Congress should give Mark Zuckerberg the Congressional Medal of the Internet. I'm not saying these big tech firms should be allowed to do whatever they want with no scrutiny. Even they admit they need some government regulation. I just think it's counterproductive to treat these tech titans as the enemy. These guys aren't villains. They're the goose that keeps laying a golden egg. Remember that story? When you got a golden goose, you want it to keep laying eggs. You don't cut the goose in half. You don't antagonize it, and you don't stop feeding it. You let that goose do its thing. I know big tech companies are easy to hate, but we've got a good thing going here in this country. Let's not mess it up. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely, in context and with perspective, and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.